0: some things will come through and so you have to you have to like have that kind of like indomitable will like you you know that um that you are going to fail there are different ways of failing but you're also going to have success too and say you're going to just like brace it
1: welcome to the flying fruit bowl platform dedicated to the exploration and discussion of art and the creative process. I'm your host, Aaron S. And in today's episode, I have the chance to talk to the amazing Jacqueline Sarah Brown. This is the second part of my two-part interview. So if you haven't heard the last part, please go back and listen to that because this interview continues directly where the last one ended. Jacqueline is an artist and illustrator based in the San Francisco Bay Area and creates a mixture of personal and commercial work. She would worked for clients such as Phil Just Transition Alliance, and Kirkbear Library. Recently, she produced a commissioned mural for 826 Valencia, and during the coronavirus lockdown, she created a series of murals spanning 816 square feet for a Google building in Mountain View. Like That's so interesting, though, because you knew somebody. Like, loosely, you knew somebody, and then because they, like that, like, what an interesting opportunity, and opportunities you've had from that. Um, And I guess that's probably a good reason for people just to be posting work online because you never know who's going to see it. and You never know what options are going to come from it, whether that's, you know, the next day or five years down the line. I think that's um, a really good, good point in consideration. Again, good point in consideration about, you know, just to keep at it and to keep creating work. Even if what you're doing five years time is completely different, people people are going to be affected by it in different ways and see it in different ways. Like art is very much timeless, in terms of just because you think an image is old because you've just created it and it's done in your eyes, doesn't mean that someone's not going to discover that in 10 years time and think that's amazing and be inspired. Um, but I think that's really amazing. That's just, I'm always, I'm really, always really curious when people create murals. And I, and I feel like I've seen, maybe it's just me, but I've seen like quite an uprise in the amount of artists creating murals. Um, or maybe it's just the, the artists I'm looking at. And I've spoken to quite a few people who've done murals. And I think it's, I'm always really interested about an envir- environmental art and the way that how does creating a piece of art within the environment affect the viewer viewing it? And and actually, I guess that is probably a question I should ask you. Is like, how do you think that that the viewer is affected by the mural? Because it's it's not just they don't just stand there looking at it; they're part of it. Mm-hmm.
0: Um Yeah, I, I think it's an immersive experience, um, and uh, um, I, you know. I think that it can be um, compelling, inspiring. Um, I would hope that in the Valencia mural that, like, it stimulates their creativity um, subconsciously. But um, I think, it's, an yeah, it's it like when you're in a space, um, if the wall if the walls are red, like it has a huge impact on you. And if it's an image, then it has an even stranger impact on your subconscious, right? Um, because like you're it, it's like distorting your perception of the world as you would normally see it. Yeah. Um. And like, I think that that sense of def- defamiliarization um, is really interesting. And that, I think that's why I, when I look at other kinds of artwork, I, I really love installation art because it's so weird and, you know, it's so jarring and that's kind of, that I, I want to create that sort of feeling in the surrealist drawings that I'm doing. Um, but in terms of immersive artwork, uh, yeah, installation art is, is pretty crazy. It's,
1: um, and do you think you'll ever experiment more with kind of installation art and kind of more three-dimensional work?
0: Um, I would, um, you know, if, if, if there, an opportunity came up to um, collaborate with someone who, who creates those kinds of spaces, I think, I, you know, I would really like to do something like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, but there's so much to think about in terms of like the image itself that, that I would want to just focus on imagery.
1: You probably already know their work because I interviewed them, but I'm just thinking the person that comes to mind is base 23. Um, I don't know if you've listened to that interview. I don't know if you've seen his work, but, um, he's, um, a street artist, but he creates these really like, they're just really amazing. And I saw them, I was really like stunned. These really cool, um, 3D installations in rooms, but they're graffiti, but it's like a three-dimensional piece of graffiti um, in rooms. And they're just, they're so fascinating. Um, If you haven't seen his work, check it out. And I'll send a link to you if you like. Okay. So as you already know, as I mentioned, like I listen to a lot of art podcasts um, and one episode, I sent you the, probably sent the question, but I'm going to read it anyway. Uh, But I was listening to Art Grind podcast episode 62 with Miriam Escafet, whose work is really incredible and has been featured on The Flying Football. Um, and she said in the interview that being in a city is a gift as an artist because you're always an observer. Um, I'd like to know what are your thoughts on this and um, how does living in San Francisco affect your work?
0: Um, well, actually I used to live in San Francisco for a couple oh, of okay. years, but yeah, but I live in the suburbs of San Francisco oh, okay. uh, in the city of Richmond. Um, so in the suburbs, um, everything's pretty much the same um there isn't a lot of variation so I think that that's been um motivating me to create this fantasy world more and more of a fantasy element in my work um but when I am in the city I always feel like there's something um that's new to that that is inspiring if it's architecture or people I'm always uh um excited to to uh to sketch when I'm when I'm out and about
1: yeah because I think one thing that's really interesting for me is the way that the environment you're in affects the kind of work you create um because you know I speak to artists who create you know purely in rural environments and they live in rural environments and they're interested in rural environments and on the flip side you have people who live you know in London who are interested in, in you know gentrification and I think that's always kind of a subconscious influence on all of us um whether we realize it or not
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah um I mean I think it is great to live in an, um, an exciting environment but um you know you can't always choose where you live and um you know the other thing too is that when I used to live in the city of San Francisco um uh there are a lot of um it's, it it's it's a little bit sketchy you know um, there are a lot of like homeless encampments and there are a lot of crazy people on the street so you you really have to be alert and aware and like ready for anything I yeah. mean not all the time but you know, um, yeah. it's not, I'm, I'm not always just like, um, just observing it like in a, in a, in a very like free state of mind. Yeah.
1: Like an idyllic way. It's not, yeah. You're not very kind of, yeah, I can, yeah. I know what I mean. actually say it's not, it's not like you're just wandering the streets and being like, you know, whoa, this is all really cool. It's like you've actually got like, yeah, you can admire the beauty, but you have to also be very conscious of, you know, who's around you. I'm um, taking a, a city of, of that size and that density as well. Um, But then again, I guess the the flip side of that is that you can meet a lot of great people or a lot of interesting people that can open interesting doors for you.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah.
1: But I guess also that just depends on the kind of person you are, if you're extroverted or introverted and if you'd make conversations with strangers or not. I think that also says, you know, some people thrive better in, you know, with more um, solitude and other people thrive better without that, so...
0: Mm -hmm. yeah I mean I I I do get a lot of um inspiration by talking to people but um I'm not the kind of extrovert that would talk to every single person like in the supermarket or just you know wherever I am um (laughs) but you know I I I do want to like be open to, to I I think that that is like one of the most inspiring things is to 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 have conversations with people that you normally wouldn't um because um something happens there that uh just like, you know, reminds you of yourself and, and who you are.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's very affirming. Um, I think when you have particularly when you have like really random but deep, interesting conversations with people that you know you're right, like you don't really talk to or you're not particularly familiar with. Um, but yeah, you come and you come away from it feeling like, oh, that was really interesting. And you learn something about yourself because the way you responded, or or you said something you didn't think you would say. Um yeah, I think it's cool. I think I kind of feel personally, like as we are in this 21st century, um, I feel like the art conversation is slowly declining. And I think more people aren't doing it as much um, in quite the way of like face-to-face. And yeah, okay, I know this is over Zoom, but this is still face-to-face. It's still a conversation. Um, I guess it's probably why I like doing these actually, because now I think about it. But not just that, I think it kind of makes me wonder about the future. This is probably not relevant and I'll probably skip this in a second, but um, this thought in a minute, but it's like, it kind of makes me, worry or at least you know think about the future and and how communication is going to be um, broken down into symbols and objects and maybe that's a good thing for art but i think for like day-to-day conversation and social interaction is that really a good thing
0: i think that uh, the current situation that we're in has has created different kinds of opportunities for different conversations that i might not have had with like some of my neighbors um you know who are you know, different in their own ways, just, the uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> um, you know, and they, and they see different things. Um, I, I went for, I'm not sure if my neighbor will listen to this podcast, but I'm just going to tell the story anyway. <laughs> um, I went for a walk with her and, uh, she was noticing all the flowers and plants and she could name everything. So every, every, like every plant that would pass, she would call it the name of it. And she had her scissors with her and, um, and then, um, she just started, she went to someone's yard and just started clipping off the flowers <laughs> and, uh, and left me on the sidewalk with her dog. <laughs> um, and you know, uh, yeah, like, it, like I like it was kind of embarrassing cause I'm, but she was singing too. She was <laughs> singing while she was doing it. Um, and, uh, like, yes, it's not, I'm not that extroverted. Some people are very, very, uh, like they just, the, the world is different, um, And, uh, yeah, I I like to, I like to observe and she was, you know, okay, here's how I can tie it. I'm an observer. And she was definitely interacting with the environment and changing it. And she, uh, you know, was modifying it like she thought it should be. And yeah, I'm hands off.
1: I think that's really, that's sweet though, because it gives you, as you said earlier, like a realization of yourself and how you are. So, um, and actually it is, I just, this whole conversation is very nice onto my actual next question which is about community and art and um that do you feel like you're a part of a large art community
0: um I have been um looking into different um online communities um so uh one that I that I've posted work online um I found this website it's called doodle addicts and I think it's uh like artist run and they're very supportive and I really like that community um when there are different art challenges uh like inktober I've participated in that a couple of times and when you have a shared goal, I feel like you do get a sense of that community because you're, you know, trying to, and Inktober is a challenge where you have to make a drawing every day in response to certain prompts. Um, And so, yeah, with that shared goal, like you feel connected Um, and offline for a year, I was a member of the Society of um, Children's Book Writers and Illustrators and uh I've gone to different conferences that they have and um joined a critique group with a couple of other people. Um I ultimately decided that wasn't a direction I wanted to to go in, but um it was yeah, it was nice um, you know, being part of that for a little bit.
1: And actually, how important is it do you think to find offline communities as well as online communities?
0: Um, I think they're both equally important now. Um it's um you know I dip in and out of communities I don't. I wouldn't say that I'm that I'm I've been in any for for too long in the broader sense I mean I think just by being an artist and making art and sharing it um I yeah I think I'm there's that general sense that I'm a general part of the community but um specific but I think that you choose to specifically get involved in different ways and uh and um you know being able to go out for like coffee or drinks is, is a good thing um to do with uh, uh with different communities and uh um you know the parties are a lot of fun too so
1: absolutely. Um, i mean you, you never know you never know what's going to happen and who you're going to meet and and how it might inspire like a future image you know you just don't know and because you're an artist the great thing about you and your and your work is you can take the smallest of of happenings and make it into like a an idea or a concept or a theme like you know really utilize that through several pieces of work or for a series of work or a body of work or a show if you wanted a show in a gallery or a book you know there's so many iterations of like a one idea or one theme or one happening or one memory that it really can you know really benefit you just from being social yeah
0: yeah. For me personally. Yeah. I, yeah, I do get stimulated, um, through, through other people interacting with other people.
1: Um, yeah, oh, that was perfect. Well, that's awesome. I think that's great. And I think that's actually really important now more than ever. Um, I think, I think it's quite, it's quite easy to uh, exist online and only online and then not seek out any of the kind of, I guess, community offline or, or kind of reality based feedback as opposed to just being online. So, I think that's a that's really nice that that you're quite the opposite. I think that's a great thing. Um, and parties are always fun, so i mean, An excuse for a party. Um, so, how often do you revisit your past work? And um, how much does what you have do, uh, how much has what you have done informs what you will do?
0: Um, I have revisited it when I try when I update my portfolio. Um I try to make sure that um that if somebody's looking at my website that I don't have um everything out there just because um you know your like clients will judge or people will judge you by your worst work. And um if someone's looking to hire you, they're gonna to look at the worst work and, and think of that as the you know as a potential um yeah. outcome. So I always try to like to like refine it and skim it down. Um and, uh, and um, in update if it's necessary, like make make some changes if if it was needed. And um, I, I am trying to, to to filter it down into the kind of work that I want to do. So so by editing the portfolio, um, it's helping me to you know like um, define what the future work will be.
1: I'm yeah, so you're, you're refining what you want, the jobs you want to have by what you're showing and putting out there. And actually, that's that's a very clever way to do it. And also, it's good because you're in the position to do it because you've done so much work and you've done such a, a full body of work and, and different kind of ideas and thoughts and kind of mediums as well. So actually, that's quite nice. You're quite, I guess, in a way, lucky, but then that's only because you put the work in
0: um for example um I thought that I w- you know at one point I was thought I was interested in children's illustration so I was starting to like modify more pro- my portfolio for that but ultimately I decided that wasn't what I wanted to go in the direction I want to go down and but that kind of work is very is is different it's very specific you know it's it doesn't have adult themes or like dark you know I mean there can be some moodiness in children's illustration but um there's like, a limit um yeah there's their are guidelines and usually um there are children in the imagery itself
1: yeah, um, <laughs> yeah.
0: like because kids like to see themselves in, in the of,
1: yeah in of the, course
0: uh or animals it's, yeah. it's either kids are animals
1: yeah that's true and actually that but that that's kind of really interesting though because it kind of allows you to filter out what you don't like or what you're what you know what you don't like but what you'd rather not do um, cause I'm pretty sure that if someone paid you well enough, you'd probably do a really cool children's illustration. And I imagine you'd be really great at it. Um, I mean, hey, you did unicorns, you know, unicorns are the best, so you can't get any better than that. Um, so yeah. So I think, I imagine that, you know, it would be something that you could do, but whether it's something that's worth your while doing, because you've got other projects you could focus on, that's a different story.
0: Um, yeah. I mean, I think that you, you need to, uh, really, uh, decide, uh, if it's something that you're really passionate about if that's what you know you really want to be focused on because um and and not just doing it for the money right because uh like that sort of thing might not pay off so um it's good to to be attuned to it um even if it's like even if the audience is like not it is different than that or not clear
1: yeah i think yeah, i think that's a a really good point because i think the best kind of a uh, place to be as an artist is to, is to build up some kind of audience which or that really enjoy your work enough to buy it and then also as, uh, and oh you create community around that i guess is why community is so important because you feel like you're part of a bigger picture you're, you're part of a person's journey it's not just the audience the artist it's it's you know a merging of the two um and actually i guess that brings me kind of around to social media yeah that yeah, yeah let's go to social media for it that brings me around to, i guess social media Um, There's a couple of questions here, I might ask you, I might come back to ask you, but I don't know. We'll we'll see how the conversation goes, but I guess, so at what point do you think that an artist and the audience, that audience merges? And have you ever felt like maybe your work is pushing in a different direction by the reaction you got from it?
0: Um, I am, yeah, I think it's a little bit clearer in the work that I've done um, when the audience is actually existing within the space of the work that like it's merging. Um, I guess another way that like the audience can feel like they're merging with the work um, is when I think they, they buy a print and they they own yeah. it, a part of it. Then I feel like there's like, then there's something happens where with the shared ownership, there's like a, a feeling of merging. Um, I think that uh, it, it was kind of an interesting process doing um, the initial sketches for the twenty six Valencia um, piece because they, sh- the clients, they, they have um well they have a tutoring center and so they actually shared the drawings with like a lot of the kids there and so there was a lot of input from the children (laughs) as to you know what they're responding to and so i think that that played a part in like its evolution and, and what direction it took
1: yeah that's really i think that's really sweet though i think it's really sweet that the children got to see it before it was actually painted and kind of in a way gave their approval but then i also think that that's kind of it must be pretty magical for them as children because obviously they don't know the ins and outs of it of it being created. They just see these really cool initial sketches and then just get to experience it. Um, that must be pretty wondrous, actually, as a kid. Hmm.
0: Um, yeah, I guess so. I think that's that's part of the magic. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, yeah, kids' reactions are are are, are timeless, priceless, um, and yeah. Yeah, uh, it, uh, it's it's really satisfying to 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 like have people. When I was working on that project, when I was in the space, um, because it's a public space, sometimes people would just drop in off of the street, and they'd be like, they just say like, "Oh, wow, like is this yeah. is, like, you know, so cool," and and like it's nice to have random um feedback like that.
1: And this is definitely a question I was going to ask you later, but actually now is probably the best time to fit into the conversation. But what kind of feedback do you prefer to receive and how is feedback different online and in person?
0: Um, I, I kind of like feedback about what works I've made are uh, are better than others, like what the best are, because it's really hard for me to to determine like what what's working, what, what is better than another piece um at some point like it all merges in my mind and they all look yeah. like they're the same so um it's helpful to know if something uh seems to be better than other and uh, other pieces and and in general um yeah I don't really like to give feedback to other people because uh, it, it hasn't worked out well I don't think people really want to hear it even though they ask for it so I have I've stopped giving feedback <laughs> not that I was ever like mean or anything I was always trying to be yeah. helpful but I don't think that that trying to be helpful is actually helpful. Yeah,
1: no, I agree. And I think sometimes the the pitfalls of feedback is that you fall into the trap of just saying something really vague and it doesn't help anybody. It's like using, and I do it myself, but it's like using emojis on Instagram as an Instagram comment. Like it doesn't help the artist creating. It just means that you like it, but you probably already liked it, quote-unquote liked it. So is there really a point in that? You know, but <laughs> um, I was going to say... I'm so glad you said that about your work merging because the one thing that I always worry about in my own work is that I'm just repeating myself and I'm just doing the same thing. And I I find it hard to distinguish my images from one another in a sense of like as an artist, you just create a body of work and you don't really know how it's going to be received, and you don't really know how you feel about it yourself when you put it online. Um so it's so how do you kind of how do you kind of like determine I mean i guess how do you determine what is working and what isn't working or do is is that what you depend on feedback for but i i mean kind of more on a personal level
0: um once i start start making something after i've thought about the concept um at some point i think that i have a vision of like what i want it to be like i get excited by that and um then i try to, to work towards that and put everything in place um and uh you know, it like it does take a life of its own. and um, it, it changes over time. So I either try to rein that in and make it fit the vision or I try to go with it and see like how it can unfold and like what else I could do to, to add to this. Um, and I'm just like facilitating it.
1: How often do you fail? Um,
0: well, I, you know, I used to just throw a lot of sketchbooks out into the trash um and I, I keep a lot horrified too. by that <laughs> um I didn't yeah yeah I mean I, I guess that like those I wasn't those were quick sketches right um they weren't like very detailed drawings um they were more like like when before I really understood my own personal process um of of how I would arrive at the work um Or even before like now I don't have a problem with with it, but um I think there was a phase in which I just like wasn't satisfied with anything and so like yeah, I just went through a lot of paper, but um (laughs) uh you know it's uh it's 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 something that like you, you know, you you can learn from it and I try to learn from it and um, I think that like on a larger scale, okay. So when I was working on, um, the Google murals, there was one mural, I, there was eight of them and I, and on one of them, I didn't use a projector when I made these images, which was, um, could have been useful, but it was a crazy time. You know, I mean, I, yeah. I, <laughs> I just, I, like, it didn't work out that way. And, uh, and so for one of the, so I was using a grid method to transfer it because I wanted to look exactly like how the client had seen it. And, uh um for one of the pieces I got the perspective kind of I got it really came out skewed and I had to redo a huge section of it um and it was really embarrassing (laughs) because other people were watching it at that time you know working in the same space and uh yeah and it was like uh like another day of like fixing mistakes
1: (laughs) I'm always really interested in that because I feel like that's a part of art you don't hear about like it's not all plain sailing things don't just always just magically work out and it, like it's a process it, that, that's why we call it the creative process because the process it's not just oh you create a really great image on it and you transfer onto a wall and it's done and it's perfect and it's beautiful it's like actually no you have to work to get that image to that standard and that perspective and that size And I not just that? like fair play like you know you did a hell of a lot of work so you know so what if you got something wrong like you learn from it um And do you feel like the best thing about failing is that you learn from it?
0: Oh, definitely. Because, uh, you know, you don't want to spend a lot of time fixing your mistakes. You kind of like want to get it right the first time. Um, So yeah, like the goal, I think you have to be, you have to accept that you aren't going to make mistakes. I mean, this is a human condition. You are going to have failures. But um, if you can make ones that aren't as costly or make it fewer failures in the future than right now, then that's good.
1: <laughs> absolutely absolutely yeah actually think about the cost absolutely yeah that probably would be a a clever idea but then again i think it kind of also humbles you as well
0: mm-hmm. oh yeah um artists from the past have like reworked paintings um which i would imagine were mistakes or 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 maybe they just changed their mind but you can see like a lot of different iterations in the layers itself.
1: yeah that's very true that's very true. you know things don't always have to be perfect. I think that's what people should be a little bit more um, easier on themselves when it comes to creating. Because, you know, you're spending time creating something. You clearly enjoy it like enough to spend the time on it. So people shouldn't really beat themselves up if, if things aren't particularly going right or, you know, things may not go to plan or you might have done something that. Yeah, it might be costly, sure. But then you kind of learn something from it that you can't buy, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that you don't really see when you're working digitally um like it's pretty obvious if you work with a traditional medium but um within the digital world um it, i think there's more of an expectation oh yeah like this is there there's no there are no mistakes because you, you can just fix it like within 2 yeah, seconds true. right um and so i don't know if you learn as much i well i mean I, this is not really for for me to say but like uh you know how do you like mistakes can force you to think about things in a different way um especially if you work in traditional media um and they can um force you to look at things that are more um maybe like foundational or areas uh that can lead to to more more studying in, in one thing or another
1: yeah absolutely i think i think you know failing is not the end of the world and i think sometimes it's hard for artists or really anybody in life but probably artists i'd say to realize that at the end of the day if you fail or something you know it's not a bad thing um necessarily i guess it could be in some cases but it as other on the most part it's not um and it's inevitable as well so you know just have to kind of get used to it well i
0: mean that that you know and a lot of people say that like um that startups have to fail often and fail early right yeah. and so um I think that the more you fail, the more likely it is that you'll, um, get closer to what you want, you know? So like reaching out to, to like a lot of people, you know, you might not have the result that you want. Um, but the more you put yourself out there, the more you try to make connections, the more some things will come through. Um, and so you have to, you have to like have that kind of like indomitable will, like you know, that um that you are gonna fail. There are be different ways of failing, but you're also gonna have success too. And say so you're gonna just like brace it.
1: Yeah. And that that's such good advice. That's such good advice. And so going actually going, I think i are back to social media, but we kind of talked around it, I guess. But um so what are your thoughts on social media and how has it affected you and your practice?
0: I think that social media can both be useful and it can be harmful. Um it's useful in the ways that um, that we know, like you can connect with other people, you can discover new work, um, have new opportunities. And um, I think it's harmful when um, uh, in in a number of ways, like one is like the design of the interface. OK, so like, why is there a like and um, a, like button on every, every post? Um, what if like your feed didn't have that, like didn't have any kind like a like or, or comment button, um, you know, would that, like disincentivize someone from sharing as often. Um, is it just put there so that someone that people can seek approval from other people or give approval to others to, you know, to show like, hey, like we're, we're all, you know, I'm supporting you. Like, you know, you want to support your friends, but like, are you do, you, do you have a social obligation to do it? Because that button is there and exists, and it's like designed in the interface. Um, and you know, another problem with that is that if you look at those metrics, what are, what are those metrics for? Like, who are they serving? Is it for the artist? Because, um, you know, you can't look at it and 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 as like a tool to say like, oh, this work is doing better than that, because like that might not be true because the algorithm is like yeah. screwed and you have no idea. I have no idea what the algorithm is doing, you know? <laughs> not and, not and also, you know, you can like, there are bots out there that can skew the algorithm. I mean, I think that, like I said, uh, for social approval, if, when I first started using Instagram, um, you know, I would want to like go through and like, uh, so just like all of my friends posts of whatever it was, um, but it, it like the more people that are, that you have um, connected to it, the more um, effort it is to go through it. And then it becomes Definitely. untenable. Um, so like, if you really want to be that kind of support person, I mean, you have to like be on it all the time in order to like, keep up with that. And if you don't like, if you skip a few days, you know, then it's like, well, like, it's just like way too much data. It's like a fire hose of data that you can never like catch up with um, if it's like a month or longer.
1: Right. Um, absolutely
0: and uh so um you know i don't i uh i am very skeptical of this free platform i don't know like because it's not free it's it isn't people get paid to work on instagram and facebook there's a bunch of engineers like it's not free they're getting paid um and like you're creating free content for them like basically right um so like if you didn't create that content they wouldn't have jobs so like, you know, who's benefiting who? Like is it I that's why I like digital addicts because that's artist run um network or a site and Instagram or Facebook that it isn't. And um yeah, they're also mm. selling your data. So mm. <laughs> uh there's there's that part of it. Um
1: yeah, actually I think artists are are very receptive, particularly from obviously probably very biased, but artists are very receptive to artist run or artist um supporting platforms um as opposed to say traditional say instagram and facebook particularly something like facebook which is kind of dying a slow death let's be very honest it kind of is um like it just is but i think that's kind of curious and, and i'm all i'm really curious and I'll, actually i'll ask you the question i asked the last person to interview this great question but what do you think is going to come after instagram
0: I think that uh it's interesting because I spend a lot of time um on different kinds of websites yeah, that are more art specific. Um, like you know, within the professional realm, right? There's art. So you can look, look at work uh, that's being sold for auction. Um within the digital realm, um there's this website uh it's called where um Rarible.com or uh where people post artwork. And you can, you can buy it with like Bitcoin or like yeah. Ethereum and uh, it, it could be a, a small amount. I mean, a lot of people are doing print editions that they they sell in there that you can have like a, a copy of whatever that means. I mean, a pointer to it. Yeah. Um, and so, um, but the interface looks just like, I mean, I'm just scrolling through it just like I would with Instagram, um, but it feels like way more connected. Like, okay, like I could, I could, uh, I could buy it or. Um yeah so maybe maybe like the post instagram is is this, is a, well if it's specifically like for artists or if it was like an if yeah. it was like a post instagram but specific for artists site um like the ideal version of that i think uh would be maybe um something with a feed where you see work but then you could you could purchase it like instead of just liking or commenting maybe you just maybe there's like an extra button in there where you could like buy a print um I don't really see the point of having a digital copy. I would want to have a physical copy. Um, But maybe there's like that option. Both options are there too. Um, And then maybe like it's all rolled into one. Maybe you can support them with like, oh, like, you know, it's a Patreon-ish kind of like button too. I don't know.
1: Like, I'm thinking like I should really create something like that because a lot of people, because obviously I talk to a lot of artists, clearly um clearly but why did i state that it's obvious um but everything that people say to me is that not that they don't like instagram but it's just for, like the problem with instagram is that it's not just for artists it's for the general public and as soon as you open someone to the general public it becomes a floodgate of mediocrity like kind of amateur work and even not even just amateur work just kind of just overwhelming overabundance of just anything and everything and, and there's no filter there's no kind of obviously there's you know use the guidelines and whatever and blah 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 but there's nothing that's going to filter out what's officially good and what's officially bad not that there is anything that is good or bad but i don't know i think i really should you know what i might hmm. i'm gonna think about that i feel like something like that would be really good to run because i feel like i don't know something that would be really interesting because you know i love well again why am i saying the obvious i love art um i love supporting artists i think it's great and i would there's so many prints i would love to buy i just don't know how to put them in um, but there's just so many prints I'd love to buy. But actually, how else could I support artists other than you know featuring their work, which I enjoy doing and I like it? But sometimes I feel like it's not enough. I don't know if that's a good a good opinion to have. And I like even during this interview, like it's cool. But I don't is that enough? Is that really like kind of supporting enough? But then again, maybe that's not for me to decide. But um that'd be really interesting to create something like that where artists are satisfied with putting their work on a platform and they're satisfied with the um output they're receiving from their hard work inputting because let's be honest uploading to instagram is hard work creating reels creating you know igtv creating you know content quote unquote content that is you know up to date that is personable that you know shows off your good side and is also going to get your sales is is hard it's it's a whole job by itself you know it's why we have social media managers so maybe there should be something that should be created that kind of merges this merges the idea between the artist and the social media manager or who gives or just gives artists more tools to be their own social media managers in a more positive way um i'm really gonna think about that actually now you said that
0: yeah or you know like even if um if there was something that uh was more low-key like not uh, such a high bar like that pays people to create post work like if you ever take post something yeah. you're paid it i mean that that's not super exclusive.
1: I don't
0: know. Like maybe no. it's a small amount, right? I yeah, I don't know. I'm just riffing here, but
1: no, no, no. That's I think that's great. I think that's such an interesting idea. And I think I think the only issue I would find with that is that there's always some kind of gatekeeper you have. That's kind of really the problem. Um, and it's like who is the appropriate gatekeeper of, of said site to say what is good and what is bad and what can be late and what can't be late. And I think, you know, the the problem that that instagram has where it's too open can also be a problem on the flip side where it's too closed and it becomes like you know there's a website called one exposure i believe um and it's like a photography website and you have to submit your work for you to get like a a profile and it's very judgmental and it's like how do you change the judgment out of art whilst also kind of still trying to be inclusive
0: Mm. you know i uh, something that i think that i've seen in other sites that could be used with Instagram let's just say that Instagram still exists as a model yeah. um is being able to change the mode like why can't I just have a mode where I'm like okay I'm in friend mode and I just see stuff from friends or I'm in business mode or or you're an artist mode um and have different feature functionality that exists within that that certain mode um because if, if you are if you want to be put yourself forward as a professional artist um or maybe you want to or you know, what if you're dabbling in something and you are just yes. trying it out, and you want to share work? Well, maybe there are ways that you can share it, but not like, but have it displayed in a different kind of mode. You know, um,
1: so a different kind of group of people, or like a different kind of network. It's almost like a network within a network. Mm-hmm. That's a really interesting idea. Because mm-hmm.
0: you know, there's because there's the encouragement to to always share work, to share more work yeah. of any kind. But it doesn't mean that everybody wants to share work in the same category as another type of work. Um,
1: yeah, you know, as, Yeah. Like, like, like how you want to evolve mm-hmm. if you're just doing the same thing.
0: And then what, you know, if you want to, do you have to create a private, like a whole separate account if you just want to dabble in uh, like pottery and, you know, to share that, yeah. like, right. You know, maybe it, there should be an easier way to to change the way that
1: you yeah, share i like that idea because i think one of the key fundamental parts of being an artist is the experimentation it's just trying out new things and not knowing if it's going to go well or if it's going to be a good idea you just want to try it because you fancy it um and actually that's a really good idea because sometimes it is it is strange to look at a feed that is you know half pottery half illustration maybe or like you know half video work and half I don't know, something else. And it's like, there's no distinction. But then again, like it can work either way though, really. But that's a a good point. And actually it could be, and not just that, the thing I see, I feel is like people who are interested in pottery aren't going to be the people who are necessarily going to be interested in illustration. Like you have two different types of audience there.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So separating it might be the best idea. Um, It's like me with my work, like my personal work and my kind of quote unquote portraits, fashion work are two separate accounts. Because I realized, ironically in 2019, before the pandemic. Um, but actually the audiences for, for the works are very different. Um, and then I split them up It's two different profiles to, to coincide to do to do alongside each other in the pandemic hit, and I couldn't go out anywhere and shoot anything. So um, there goes micro. But um, you know, it's interesting to consider, like actually your audience might like you, and they might be liking your work because they like you, but they don't necessarily like the work you're creating.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like maybe um rather than just following you like you they can follow like a subcategory of you too because okay. uh i had to go th- when i for instagram first came out i posted random things photos of friends you know just photos of cats and and i had to go back and like delete it and filter it out because i knew that art directors were looking at instagram as portfolios and like i just you know if you have random work in there and they're looking at it from a professional perspective and that's not going to it's gonna gonna work so um so I did it and now I'm I'm in that rhythm of only posting work that I feel like is like within that category but um yeah I miss the early days of just posting like things that are more personal to me
1: I guess what people as far as I know a lot of people do nowadays is that their feed is per, their feed is a professional but their stories are personal so they do it that way so like obviously their stories are more like their daily life whatever but then they're actual feed is more professional it's like kind of like the body of work they want you to see but then that's ironic because sometimes people just only look at stories and people only look at feeds so it's kind of a tricky way to do it I mean how important is it for you to be kind of more personal online and be like approachable
0: well um yeah uh I I guess that because I had to go through my Instagram and, and I and I filtered that out maybe that makes me a little bit more on approachable than before um, yeah, there's that balance. Um, because I know, I, I think that if, you know, if I were able to share like inspiration, like I just, if I just, if I could share photos of things that inspired me day to day, like, I think that people connect to that, you know, it, like on a more like immediate level. And then, you know, um, like seeing, seeing something that's inspired, that's made after that, um, there's like a level of separation, right? Like where, um, like there's the finished work, but what makes something personal and approachable, you know, I think that, I think people are, are approachable when it feel when you feel like you can relate to them and, um, you know, uh, it can be something so simple. Like some people get really, um, they're fanatic fanatics about like wine or something, or, or, or they're really like, you know, certain kind of beer. I don't know. Right. And like, that's approachable. You're like, okay, you, you like that thing. Like, you're cool and and oh and then you make this other work but you you like this thing and and i know that thing and and that's something i do too right um but and the work is more of a of something that you like you admire or like that inspires you or that's like amazing uh uh, which is like a different different way of like looking at someone but um yeah i i think it's, it's harder i think it's harder to be approachable
1: i think your comment about separation is really fascinating actually. And I think but I guess that's really the hardest part is a separation of you know, you as an artist and then the, the quote unquote audience that's quote unquote following you. Um like the separation between how do you know if they like you, if they like if they're liking if they're following you for you because they like you, or if they like your work, or if they like your style, or they like your colour scheme, or they like, you know, the subject matter. Like there's so many different reasons someone could be following your work. And I think probably with Instagram, actually, one of the the kind of problems with it is that it's so, so damn vague. Like, you just don't know why people are doing what they're doing. And they're, I don't want to say motivations, that probably makes it sound really kind of like, oh, what's the conspiracy theory behind it? But like, you don't know what, you, know, you have no inkling and grip on why people are, are, are doing the actions they're doing. Like, why is somebody liking your work? And I always say, and I've said it in previous interviews, that they should have a little box that pops up when you like something. So you can tell the person why you've liked it because that's going to be way more helpful to the creator because i'll know you why you've liked it not just oh i did it because i'd know you or oh we're friends or oh it's going to help my boost my page it's there should be a reason because there is a reason you'd liked it. you know
0: yeah i think that's
1: my run over
0: <laughs> yeah no i think that design pattern um you see that all the time when you um like, if you buy something online from a store, like, and you get an email, like, and they, they, yeah. like, ask you to rate it, it's usually, like, the option is there to, like, write something in the comment box. But, like, you or you can just, like, rate it from one, you know, from yeah. one to five. Um, so, uh, you know, um, designing it so that you're encouraging more interactivity is uh, is a way to, to make it a little better.
1: Yeah, just more feedback that's not so vague. Because, you know, likes are great, but let's be very honest, like, you can have a million likes, but if that million likes is not going to a million pounds in the bank, like, there really is no point.
0: I, you know, it could be interesting, too. Um, like, I think that you can make um, questionnaires, but, um, you know, if if there was some kind of system that had that feature in it that you mentioned, um, if you could specify as an artist, like, which part of it did you like, you yeah. know, as part of it, like, uh, and you can write in a text box, like, something that will, che- that will come up as, a, as like a checkbox, like
1: colors, uh, subject matter, uh, you know. I was like 100%, because I think we like different things for different reasons, and, and you know, we can both see the same image and like it for very different reasons. But this idea of just liking it is, a way, for my personal opinion, just way too vague to be of any help to any kind of development in the future, because at the end of the day, you're going to still go back to doing what you like doing, whether or not people like it or not. Like, to be honest, the whole idea of someone liking something really isn't isn't even that important it's just the I guess it's just the motivation and it's just the the satisfaction that there's somebody is looking at your work um but yeah I don't know like I like don't be wrong I like Instagram and I don't want to sound like um I hate social media because I don't I like it a lot more now than I did but I do think that there are a lot of pitfalls and a lot of kind of you can just spend a lot of time and effort trying to get the desired like attention you want only to realize that attention really isn't necessary. Like, I think, like, do you think that, oh, I guess I was best probably going to ask you is that, do you think as an artist, like your own validation, your own internal validation is more important than external validation?
0: I can validate myself all day, but I still won't get paid for it. Right. Like I think that money hmm. is like the best validation for anything that we do in life. And that doesn't always come even for like work that really deserves it. but it is it is universally recognized and uh um yeah it's it's kind of hard to to think of of work that 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 doesn't have that you know underlying
1: so talking about validation um so what does it mean to be an accessible artist and how do you measure the success of your own work
0: um yeah uh you know, I mean, yeah, you're getting paid a lot. I mean, sure that like that's like that, that is like the the cliche of like success, right? Like, uh, but um, for me, you know, being able to make the make work that I'm doing right now, I mean that that I think is is a measure of success because I could very well not be doing this, and uh, yeah. you know, I imagine that um, there are a lot of people that like are pressed for time. Um, you know, you really have to, um, like, it's not always possible. Like, if you have, like, five kids or something, like, I mean, I don't know how you can make artwork, like, and there's no spare time, right? Like, so um, I think that you need to be satisfied with the work itself because um, you, you don't know what will happen. But at the same time, you know, it's a good thing to strive high, like, shoot for oh, some, some some ideal. Like, let's just say, oh, success is, like, to be household name or something ridiculous right you know you might not achieve it but like having that idea will like push you forward if you set your 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 um goals too low then they're too easy to achieve so um it's it, it's good it's good to 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 set it high but but to also be happy with uh with making the
1: work yeah well I think that's amazing I think it's such an amazing piece of advice and it's such an amazing thought and kind of way of working because that means you don't pressure yourself to Oh, I have to make you know x amount of money from this piece, or oh, you know, I need to do this because it has to be perfect. It's like you enjoy the process of the, um, you know, just the simple fact that you are an artist and you're able to make work. Um, and I think that's very important. That's so important because I think sometimes it's not always easy to enjoy what you're doing uh, because art can become, you know, it, it very much starts off selfish and then it becomes a business and then it, it can become, you know, a chore you know, you can just get burnt out trying to chase the next project or chase the paycheck and the same way. And a nine to five job can become, become quite boring, I guess. Um, so yeah, I think that's a great mentality to have. And I think I, I hope everybody has that mentality. Um, and I'm really glad you said that though. I think it's really cool. Have you ever had a period of time where you doubted your artistic ability? And if so, how did you overcome this?
0: Um, I think that uh, after I had been programming for about 10 years, um, I had to ramp up my drawing skills and, uh you know I, I definitely felt like uh um some some doubt there because it had been so long and, and drawings is a skill that you have to constantly do. You have to, you know, keep at it or you'll lose it. Um so um during that time something that I felt was really inspiring was reading autobiographies of, of people who had done incredible feats. Um, so for example, I had read this book by Diane and Ied it's called Find a Way. <clears throat> and she's an Olympic swimmer and at 64 she swam from Cuba to Florida without a oh, wow. short um and uh yeah like uh, and it's it's really great um it's it's very inspiring and something that she mentions um in the book is a quote uh I think it's by Henry Kissinger but it's um that a diamond is a lump of coal that stuck with it and
1: yeah I like that
0: yeah, it's it's a very motivating quote. I mean, the weird thing is that diamonds aren't actually made from coal, but this is like a phrase <laughs> that is that people yeah, use. <laughs> um, so uh, you know, I think it's but it's like yeah, it's like a testament to like, well, yeah, you I think that I really believe in that, that you stick with something. Um, you will eventually get better at Absolutely. it. I think
1: that's yeah, that's super important. That's so important. Um, and I think definitely for the arts because I think, you know, self-doubt and kind of not really being sure of yourself and kind of not really knowing I think that is a huge part of it I think that's kind of it's kind of helpful in a way because it makes you kind of it forces you to reevaluate what you're doing So I think sometimes like maybe if you're creating a piece of work and you're really successful really quickly it can be detrimental to your growth as an artist you know you'll get stuck in one lane doing one art, one kind of particular work and just selling one kind of thing it you know it does not give you room to kind of breathe and grow and try new things and and you know just learn um so yeah, that's very good advice, I'd say. So, in your opinion, what makes a good image? And what was the last piece of media that really had an impact on you?
0: Uh, I think it, it has to be unusual. Um yeah,
1: that's a good answer.
0: <laughs> it has to be weird and have like surrealistic elements and uh and be a little bit like maybe disturbing, maybe uh just just kind of it is helpful if it's funny. I really like work that like yeah. has a little bit of a sense of humor and um, a recent work that I had seen that um that inspired me uh in that way. Um, there's an artist called Nagai Winglam, and she uh is in this exhibition right now that's in Hong Kong of uh of surrealist work. And She makes these paintings of fish that are anthropomorphized and they like they do like random things
1: they're like walking around or sitting on park benches or whatnot you know and i just love that sort of thing that's cool that's a great answer that's an absolutely great answer and i think um i would agree with you actually and that reminds me of there's an artist that i follow on instagram and i actually reposted some of their work today called synthetic goat and um i'll send you their work because it's it's very 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 cool and it's like these really kind of almost in a way crude sketches and then they have like some text that accompanies them that kind of explains the image so today there was like a picture of this of this like i guess it's like a person but it's kind of also not a person and it's like this is a certain name they like this certain thing they wear this because it makes them look cool or something like that and it's like it's like a little mini story and i think that's really interesting but it's also super quirky and really odd and i I, i'll send you the link to them actually after this because it is so great and actually you might really like it if you like weird stuff and actually that that makes me think quite a few artists I can send you because there's quite a few weird people I follow. So that's um I'll send you some stuff because you never know. Like you never know. But I think also you can be too bombarded by things as well. Um you can look at too much art, I think that's quite a danger. Um so so what do you think the role of the artist is in this contemporary society?
0: Um I think that people um I think artists um you know, feel compelled to make work. And so I think from the artist's perspective, there's there isn't much of a choice there. Um, but I can't imagine society without artists. Um, I guess that it would look like I maybe it's like George Orwell's 1984, and uh, like it's all like mechanized and we only interface with robots. Um it, it's hard. It's hard to to um to separate them and um some, I think some, some, you know, some places value different things. I think that, um, in Asia people value illustration more than in the States here in America. Um, that's just like a generalization, but I, I just feel like I see more of it there. Um, and, um, but there's always, there's always going there, you know, there's always going to be some element of art, um, wherever you go.
1: Actually, no, I said that. That's an interesting question to ask you would be do you actually ever think about the outside reach of your work aside from the country you live in? Like, do you think about the international reach of your work and how it might be perceived differently from a different country?
0: Um, I, I, I just assume that it, once I post something online that it, that it has an international reach.
1: Because it's nice because obviously you're from America and I'm from the UK and it's nice this is international that's quite nice. Um, But I just thought when you said that about Hong Kong, like, is that the case? That's really interesting. Like, That maybe your work is being perceived very differently in a different country for a very different reason other than how it would be in the US or the UK. And that's, again, um, that's not something I've ever thought about. I've always just assumed like, oh yeah, you post it and you just kind of assume that maybe the people that you know will like it or like people that are uh, in your country will like it because they can see some of that patriotism and or kind of, you know, American elements within it. They'll probably like it, but actually that's kind of interesting because, like, for me personally, I'm really drawn to Americana and I love like very stereotypical, but I love the very cool like film photography of like America and kind of the desert and stuff, because we don't have that over here in the UK. So actually, the international reach and the way people are viewing your work from different cities is really actually quite fascinating.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um you know, there are different different movements appeared in different areas, like like surrealism um has like a a history in France I think that um uh there's more of a of an acceptance of weirdness there
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> um and like maybe in Japan too like there's uh, that many people might not be aware of but like uh there's so much manga in Japan that like there are some, some subcategories of drawing um and uh, there's a, there are a bunch of artists that I like that just make like super weird work. And I think weird as a category is much
1: stronger there.
0: I, don't, I mean, oh, You know, I don't want to really generalize, but...
1: No, but I think that's a that's a really interesting consideration in terms of, you know, when you're an artist and you're looking for places to exhibit, it's like, how would your work be received in an exhibit in a different country? Yeah, that's not the country you were necessarily making it for. Um, it's like when, you know, music musical artists make a hit it's like a hit in like you know some random country like lithuania but it's not in say uk where they're from it's like what is it about that country that kind of soaks up that that medium or like soaks up that image you know that you know that's that's really fascinating to think about it's not something i've thought about because i think even though the internet is far-reaching i think our kind of ideals are probably more realistic and refined we probably think okay so not many people will see this. And I guess even with applying fruit ball, like I know that there are people from different countries looking at it, but I never really think about that. Um and I don't think about it. Like, maybe I might post something that I might be, you know, offensive to a different country, or it might go down well in a different country, or another country might it more. You know, you don't really think about that. I just post like for me, I just post stuff because it looks cool to me. Um, so I wonder as an artist, like 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 how often I guess I guess the best way to ask a question would be like, how often do you think about your audience when you create the work?
0: Um you know, now that you're mentioning, now that you've been mentioning um, be, work being seen in different countries, um, uh, sometimes, you know, I think that uh different, called, well, okay, being in Silicon Valley, I mean, I do feel like there, that everyone around here, that there's an emphasis on, on digital tools, right? And then like this digital mindset. And so, um, you know, I do think about, okay, like, um is this if it's for a client, what 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 are they expecting? Um like what, what are some of the expectations and um depending upon what it is, like pe- people expect things to be a certain way. If I'm making artwork for myself, um I don't think too much about the audience, but if I'm making it for someone, I I, I do think about like um what you know the pro- what are they really, what do they want it to be made with and, and how do they want it to look. And there's a certain aesthetic, um, like, like for, if, if, like, um, it, like, I think that um, for people who are um, like concept artists, right? Like that has a certain aesthetic. People have an expectation, um, for that to appear in a certain way, um, and that, ha- like, it would have to be like, and and if you're the, in that realm, like, it needs to kind of be like 3D, um and uh if you if it's just illustration then it ha- then there's a general expectation that maybe it's more like like two two-dimensional
1: yeah that's a good point i think expectation is a very interesting consideration for you know the, the artistic process because it's like what is expected of you as an artist you know forget like you know forget who the works for but like just the expectation is you as an artist and and kind of like there's so many kind of different levels of expectation it's kind of so many different um considerations one has to go through about you know even being an artist and even kind of trying to trying to have a career because there's no guarantee of a career um so I think that's that's really cool and yeah I think that's really cool I think that's really good and I, and I like your answer to that I think that makes a lot of sense actually um and as you know, it's a very refreshing take on it it's not like a oh I just create for myself and I don't care about anyone else's opinion it's like oh actually I mean actually you're quite lucky because you have the benefit of doing both you have the benefit of being able to just create whatever you want for yourself and being satisfied either way and also creating work that other people are going to see and also kind of judge but also in a positive way so i guess you kind of have the best of both worlds
0: mm-hmm. um yeah i guess so and I, and I think it's really i think that but if you are an artist and you're only creating it um like within that kind of context um you you're really you're not creating it for someone right like um because let's just say that you're an artist and you're creating it for an audience um, because you expect that because you know that they're expecting something then how are you really acting as an artist like can yeah. you be an artist if you are always thinking of the audience like are are you are they more of like your your uh, client then you know i think that they're like yeah. bands that that make music like they like after they achieve some success they start to make music in a certain way like and they're not true to themselves um but then there are other artists who just keep like changing it up and yeah. like they have to they have reasons for doing that like usually just to because like, they want to have that audience space and like they don't want to lose an audience
1: yeah I think I think that's the thing I think it is kind of really interesting the kind of paradox of having an audience because on one hand it's very freeing because it allows you to do more things with more eyes on your work but hopefully make more money which means more opportunities which means more work and just more you know more time creating i guess but at the same time it can also be super restricting because it can limit what you're creating or you can be kind of forced to carve in like forced to be you know stuck in a lane that maybe you didn't really want to be stuck in or or isn't giving you room to grow the way you want to grow and i think that's always kind of an inch it's always been an interesting to me. this idea of audience and kind of just the emphasis on the importance of audience
0: yeah um I've always uh, kind of like been more rebellious, uh, more of like the like the uh, punk, goth, punk rock aesthetic of like no uh, of like not selling out. But I mean, you do have to sell out a little bit in life.
1: Yeah, it's a uh, compromise you have to make.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and but then you have to like you have to have a compromise between selling out. Yeah, but also being true to yourself.
1: Yeah, and there are ways to do that, and there are many artists who have done that. It's like it's just even like you know, selling prints through, you know, in print even, or through Etsy. So you're making a compromise because you're giving up. It's even like posting on Instagram. You're giving up some power to another agency to rely upon you making money. So in a way, like, I think being an artist is all about compromise, but it's also about, okay, so as long as you're creating the work you want, that compromise isn't going to matter because you're being true to yourself. But at the end of the day, you're still compromising because, you know, you're selling your data to Instagram so that you can get money back to create more work so you can sell more data. (laughs) So, you know, it's it's a compromise, but it's kind of the compromise we all make by being online, I guess. Um, And not even just being online, just generally, just any kind of, of um, career we choose, really any kind of career we choose because there's always a compromise, you know, particularly when money's involved. So
0: yeah. Yeah. That's why it's so important that you identify like that. The core of what you're doing is, is what you truly enjoy and not just something that you're doing for some other reason.
1: So I have a question for you from the very, really, 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 cool. Absolutely cool artist, Ryan Dean Haas. I did an interview with him that'll be out before this. And it was just an amazing experience. And he's just, he's just an awesome person. Um, so his question to you is, have you ever had a dream about or have ever been haunted by your work?
0: Um, I have had dreams that I've made drawings from. Um, I once had this dream of uh, like a squirrel and I was uh, feeding it like a cup of water, like I was pouring it into its mouth. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I don't think I've had the reverse where I had a dream that was haunting me in and- I think it would have to be like a person um that's like seeking revenge or you know some some bitterness involved and and my artwork doesn't have that kind of
1: uh yeah.
0: self-awareness <laughs> to get right oh, yeah,
1: that's cool <laughs> I, I thought like i thought that'd be the answer because when he asked me the question I, I i thought to myself i thought but i guarantee there are people out there who have had dreams and that has been a piece of work because um of course that's just your subconscious does strange things when you sleep and it's like the perfect kind of uh have it imagery for work as well particularly work like you like that you enjoy that surreal and strange and a little bit twisted like that's a perfect like your dreams are like the perfect imagery to create um and it's also great that dream like is always a great description of a piece of work so i thought that might be the case but my question for you is do you actually have a question for the next person i interview um yeah
0: i have a a pretty uh generic
1: question any question is a question
0: um but I thought that, uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, what artist would you choose to have as a dinner guest, dead or alive?
1: I actually just have curiosity. Can you answer that question yourself?
0: Oh yeah, I would. I would really love to have Van as a dinner guest. I've always imagined. Oh, wow. Um. Yeah, because he's just. I always felt like so connected to him, like uh, you know, like I always like the tortured soul, right? Well, maybe I want to um maybe I just think that like I would be able to reach him you know in a way that he hadn't been reached he was so lonely
1: and I... like it's really interesting that that people pick art as a career because it's so like there's so much freedom but then it's not always so freeing um so do you believe there's a link between anguish and the creation of art and is a suffering artist a truth or just a myth
0: there, there are stu- there are studies that show that schizophrenia and um, bipolar disorder are like seven times more likely in people uh, who are artists or are in some creative field, um, like artists, writers, actors, and you know I think that media likes to to zero in on the those examples and blow them out like and make yeah. um, make them huge stories. So we're more aware of it, um, but I don't think that you need to be. Um, in anguish, in order to make art, um, even though there's some link between creativity. Uh, if you have that kind of uh, um, illness, right?
1: Yeah,
0: I like I think it activates the same um, centers in your brain in some way. Like there's there's like a real physical kind of connection. But um, yeah, but you can you can just uh, um, some, drop some LSD, drop some acid, and like activate those yeah. parts of your brain and. And, and be creative too so um yeah.
1: Absolutely. Oh, yeah that's a great answer actually um so what do you think your work says about you as a person i
0: i think that it um i might have mentioned this before but i i do feel like i'm unpredictable and uh um you know like i i do like uh doing things differently i like to go to different places i like to i'm always i don't like to go to the same place twice I like to have maybe like a restaurant or something um I, my husband doesn't agree with this, but I like to try different kinds of food. And yeah. so I feel I, I think I'm experimenting.
1: Yeah, that's, yeah, I think that's a very, uh, a very fair indication for your work. Um, I think that's just a really, really, really good correlation between you and your work because your work is exactly the same. It's unpredictable, it's surprising, it's very experimental. It's just like there's so many different facets to it, you know, it, it, it can be very like polished and clean. They can also be like very kind of chaotic and like otherworldly yeah i think that's a great a great answer to that question i think it's it's actually really true as well um because you know some people are like you know oh i think my work means that i'm a super deep person and you can see my struggles and it's like it's not that at all but you know i think that's great i think that's cool um and so the last question the very last question which is a double barrier question which is technically two is um what are you currently working on and where can people find more about you and your work
0: um right now i'm working on um sur- a surrealistic series i guess it's like a new surrealism and you can find my work on instagram um at my handle uh jqln and my website is I that's absolutely
1: perfect like jacqueline thank you so much That concludes the second and final part of my interview with Jacqueline and Sarah Brown. Thank you very much for listening. If you have any questions or comments about it, please send me an email via the theflowingfruitbowl at gmail.com or via social media sites such as Instagram. The Flying Fruit Bowl audio interviews can now be found on a variety of sites such as YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music, Player FM or whatever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to support the platform, please consider subscribing sharing rating or reviewing also please don't forget to check out www.theflyingfruitball.co.uk for daily hour inspiration and if you're a creative please get in touch for a chance to be featured or interviewed once again thank you very much for listening and until next week please stay safe